I was I was reading an article and it was it was talking about sadness among teenagers, and it, I just I kept reading it and, and it and it sort of I was like I have to spend some time talking about this because reading the article about the sadness of teenagers made me so sad. You, you do know what I'm saying? And uh, I don't know about you because like people say it's the the saddest time or the most difficult time, and, and maybe that's true, but like to me, wow, were those some easy times or what, you know? And I, I mean, I just remember loving life, and yeah, there were challenges, and I'm sure we got in a few skirmishes, as we called them, uh, us boys, but in general, it was just, it was a great time, and so it got me thinking about um, what's happening in our world and then what's happening in so many people as, as worry and anxiety starts to creep deeper and deeper into our lives. The good news is this isn't new. Um, maybe the way we're handling it is different. Maybe we're, we're allowing more of it to consume us. But um, this is as old as the scriptures itself, and, and so we're going to take a look at the scriptures um, as well. In fact, in Proverbs, it says this. It says, Proverbs 12, um, that anxiety weighs down the heart. Isn't that true? That when you're worried, how many of you, you can feel it literally, like it just weighs you down emotionally. You, you, don't, you don't have the the energy, the creativity, the spontaneity, all the good stuff that naturally would come from you when you're worried about something. And it weighs down your heart. And, and the truth is, when it gets severe, you can feel it. Um, and if you've ever had some severe things, you can feel it like here. You can like feel it on your chest. So um, Jesus talks about this, and we're going we're gonna to dive in a little bit as to where does our anxiety come from? Now, it's normal um, to feel anxious. We all do. We all worry to some degree or another. Everybody. That's just part of being human. The, the, the blessing that you can think about tomorrow, that you can um, plan for scenarios tomorrow. Does anybody here have a scenario plan for tomorrow? Please tell me a couple of you do, right? And, and what we learned over the, over the course of time is we have to hold on to those plans, what? Gently, loosely, because you can't control tomorrow. You can't predict tomorrow. So what we do is we hold on to those loosely, but Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount. He says, um, don't worry about tomorrow. Human nature is... I got I to gotta worry about tomorrow. I got I to gotta get into that, whatever's going to happen or not going to happen. I don't know if there's going to be enough money. I don't know if there's going to be a, the right job. I don't know if the kids are going to be okay. Who here worries about your kids if you have kids? You, you worry about money. You, you worry about uh, the economy. You worry about the direction you worry about politics. You worry, worry, worry. And what it does is it weighs you down. And so in Jesus' teaching, which is so, so good, by the way, if you're not a churchgoer, someone drug you here kicking and screaming, um, this is good for you no matter what you believe in. What Jesus taught about worry 
will help you no matter where you are in life. And it's this. Don't worry about tomorrow. Worry weighs you down. And worry causes you to miss so many great things in life. Who's ever done that before? You sat there worrying and thinking about tomorrow or the next week. The whole family's gathered or some friends are together. And you missed out on a whole thing because you weren't there. You were, your head was next Tuesday. Your head is on next Friday. Worry causes you to miss the things that are right in front of you. Classic story in Luke's gospel, right? Jesus comes to the home of Mary and Martha. And he comes there to be with them. And Martha decides their sisters, she's going to make an... Uh, a meal, and so she's in there doing the preparations and the cooking, and the and and Mary just sits down with Jesus, and evidently they're having a great conversation. Anybody ever do that before? Just sit down with somebody and you just have this great conversation. Isn't there's nothing better, really, if you think about it in life than having a, a great conversation with somebody that that, that's interesting, that's thought-provoking, that's heartwarming. You've ever had one and you're like, I don't really want this to ever end. I mean, let, let's just have coffee for another two hours because you're having this engaging and interesting. So what would it be like to have an interesting, engaging conversation with Jesus of Nazareth right there in your living room? There's Mary. There's Jesus. But Martha is in the other room. She's... And she comes out and she sees her sister just sitting there talking with Jesus. And she says, you know, Lord, this is, this is not right. I'm in there working and, and sweating and laboring. And it says, Jesus speaks to her and says, Martha, you're worried, right? And upset about what? Many things. That's what gets us into trouble. Worried and upset about many things. What are you like when you're worried and upset? Are you pleasant? Huh? Is, I mean, does that bring out your best? The best version of you, worried and upset. No, it always brings out the worst of you. It's true. And Jesus speaks to her. Now, think about it. And who, who's ever done this to yourself? Is this because Jesus demanded a five-course meal? You know, if I'm going to come over, I really expect appetizers. Who's ever done this to yourself before in life? Huh? You, you show up and you're angry, and you're angry at all the people that are having a good time. And you want to project it, right? You project your anger, your anxiety onto all these people. How dare you sit here and have a good time? Enjoy each other's company. I'm trying to make an event here so you can enjoy each other's company. Right? And they just skipped to... You know what most of the people in the world are doing? Enjoying each other's company. Let me tell you something that's very fascinating. You would think, I'll call it mild anxiety, mild worry is like, oh man, I, I, you know, paying the bills and things like that. So you would think poor countries would have high levels of anxiety. Wouldn't that make sense? They, they most of all know the least about where their next meal is going to come from. They know the least about how they're going to get good health care. 
If you've traveled much in third world countries, then you would know exactly what I'm talking about. They have a lot to worry about. And studies and surveys are showing where is anxiety dominating? Does that make any sense? That doesn't make any sense. Because what we've done is we've, we've done the Martha thing. We've made it way more complicated than it needs to be. Who's ever made it more complicated than it needs to be? Everybody, put your hand up. It doesn't need to be this complicated. It doesn't need this complicated, right? We just sit down. Just sit down and talk. There's enough. One of the things I love about traveling, when I go to places like when we travel in Africa, they don't, they don't how, many, how many are coming for dinner? They don't care. However many come, they just divide it that many more times. This is all we have anyway. I'm not running to Kroger. Do you get what I'm saying? This is how much there is. Anybody have untori banana soup? No? You should try. But this is, we're having banana soup. This is how much there is. If there's four people, mmm. If there's 24, eat slow. <laughs> this, is how, this is how it works. And, and I don't know if you realize that, but that's how most of planet Earth works. It's far away from most of us. That's how most of planet Earth works. And guess what they have low levels of? Anxiety. Who's ever stressed yourself to the stratosphere over stupidity? Well, it's not stupidity because I needed to know if they were going to have this kind of garnish or that, whether the napkin's going to fold this way or that way. We don't care. <laughs> now, God bless you. Some of you, you do have the gift. And I'll say that I've been there, right? And now, I don't know if your spouse loves you when the party's over or not. That's another question. I'm not going to say that. But what I will say is there's something to simplicity. There's something to simplicity. There's something to staying there. She missed out. Jesus came to her house for dinner. She missed all the conversation. Anybody ever talk to yourself? I wonder what they're talking about in there. Probably tell them about our childhood. That one time I dropped her. You know, she's always been that way. You know, right? She's talking to herself. Talking to herself into what? Like a little frenzy. Anybody get yourself in a frenzy? And the only one having the conversation is you and your nut self. You know you got a nut self in there, don't you? You and nut self are talking. You're going nutso. And this is all completely unnecessary. Now, Worry, anxiety causes you to miss out on life. Life. It's not like, oh, I missed my child's this, or I missed the. You miss life. Because when does life happen? Right? Now, this is life. Some of you are worried right now. Is he going to get done talking? You're worried about that. You ain't listening. When's he going to be done? My God. You know, this is how you worry. Is he going to get to the next scripture? I don't know. I don't know. Does he, does, he, does he read the Bible enough? I don't know. I don't know. i got to call my other pastor and see if he's a legitimate pastor. I don't know. And you worry, 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 worry. Huh? 
Hi, did Dante's mom's funeral this week? And he used to bring his mom to church, right, all the time. And she was worried I wasn't legitimate. She'd say, He's, that's, that's not bad, but how does God certify him? Right? So we worry. We worry. Think about this. Worry, and you miss out. You're missing out. It's right here. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I know what we're doing right now. I know who's sitting in front of you right now. I know who you're with right now. You can only live your life now. That's the only time you can live your life. And so Jesus says, stop thinking about, stop worrying about that. Stop worrying about the past. The past is another cause of our anxiety and worry. By the way, Let's do something else. Who's ever tried to read the Bible? Whoever quit before you got done? About 95%. All right? I'll tell you where you quit. The book of Leviticus. Book of Leviticus. That's where you quit. I know. Here's why. Genesis. Creation. Flood. The Tower of Babel. Abraham, Isaac, oh, he's going to kill his son. No, he didn't. No, thank God he didn't kill his son. And he goes, oh. and then you get to Exodus, and you got like, oh, this slavery and the Pharaoh, and it's like, oh, there's this these miracles, and then this, this Red Sea parts, and Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments, and the mountain shook, and it's all good. Then you get to Leviticus. Anybody ever read it? Anybody ever read the Bible? You quit in Leviticus. I'll show you where you quit. Here's where you quit, right here. The rest of the blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of the burnt offering entrance to the tent of meeting. He shall remove all the fat from it and burn it on the altar. Do this with the bull just as he did with the bull for the sin offering. A lot of bull in Leviticus. A lot of blood. Then take the bull outside and burn it and the sin offering in the community. And I mean, to be honest with you, there is. There's a lot of gore, a lot of offerings. Why is Leviticus in the Bible? This is just a free little four-minute segue in the service. Why? Because, I mean, you know, why is that in there? There's a great question. Because if you read it today, I mean, you probably, like, let's say you're starting a book club. Guys, I was thinking, let's do Leviticus this year and just get together and see how it edifies us. It's this offering, it's this offering, it's this offering. The word offering is uh, Corban, C-O-R-B-A-N. And it means to draw near. I was telling you earlier, anxiety is not anything new, right? It's not new. Anxiety is old. One of the things that people have had anxiety about is, are they, are they okay with God? Is God okay with them? Is it well with their soul? It's a thing that people, humans have, do, do you know, like I, one of the things that I was privileged to study in college is like cultural anthropology. And they study all these civilizations around the world and all of them have some form of worship or offering or appeasement to the gods or God. It's a universal angst. 
And if you have this and you've created, you've done something wrong. Anybody here done something wrong before? Evidently that's old too. And you feel some guilt about it. If you have a conscience, you do. Then you need to do something with that. So if, if someone says to you, well, what you could do is you could do this particular offering and then it can be cleared. And if it was really weighing on you, you'd want to know exactly what do I do? And you'd say, well, two, two cups of this and one. And I, I'm not rich enough to afford that. That's okay. This one will do. The brutal specifics of Leviticus were designed as a recipe to alleviate the suffering conscience of people thousands of years ago. It gave them some way to feel free. Say, well, why don't we just fast forward to the, like the final offering in Jesus? Well, there you go. We got there. But humanity moves in like these slow fits and starts. And it was something, think of it this way. Um, you know, little Charlie, she's got, she's got little things that need to be done a certain way. You, you know what I'm talking about? A little three-year-old, like, Dad, you're not doing it right. So like, like... Like this morning, you know, it was a game of I spy. I spy with my little eye. And she believes it's I spy with my little eyes. And so I learned it as my little eye. And if I say my little eye, Daddy, you're not doing it right. Very, very major meltdown in her little cards. You're not saying it's eyes. Very good. The recipe, the details, what to that little mind, they matter. Why is Leviticus so brutally specific about this? Could it be that it was allowing this young, as they were, they were just, just trying to get their heads together, some sense of peace, peace with God. This was brand new. The idea that you could walk away from there and leave all of your anxiety. Think about the freeing power of that. So this is what's funny about religion. A lot of people, to a lot of people, religion is anxiety-inducing. I meet tons of them. Because the way they've, either the way it's been presented to them or the way they've received it, my pastor just, you know, but either way, it's anxiety-inducing. I'm never doing enough. I'm never pleasing God enough. I went on vacation, and people can sniff me out. I'm a pastor. Why? <laughs> I mean, the lady, like, right next to us was like, oh, just like Jimmy Buffett, you know, I'm just laying there, just like big white skin everywhere, getting burnt, you know, and it's just, sure enough, five minutes later, the two chairs down, we're having a counseling session. <laughs> full on, no full on counseling session. And the counseling session turns into she lost someone, so I'm doing this. And then, and then, as I always hear, their God story. Oh, whack. Here it comes. Well, I went to this church one time. Oh, my God. I was like sticking my earbuds. All right, I'll, I'll finish it for you. They asked for all your money. Correct. They started asking for all my money. And then I was never given enough, and I was never doing enough, and God was never happy enough, and blah, blah, blah. Anybody ever have this story before? And... It's stress-inducing. And she had all this stress of losing her husband. 
for 25 years, and she went to church, and it was more stressful because then they talked about all the things she wasn't doing. Anxiety-inducing. When from the very beginning, it was, cast all your burdens on me because I care for you. I'll carry that for you. First Peter. The whole idea of faith is it takes away anxiety. Faith is a profound idea. If you think about what faith is, and again, it's unfortunate, it's like such a religious word. So I'll just give you this word, trust. Trust is such a beautiful idea. And no matter what your belief, say, I'm not a church person, I'm not a God person, I'm not a, look, look. At some point in your life, you're going to have to trust somebody bigger than you. Trust is the key to letting go of worry and anxiety. Worry and anxiety could be perhaps at the root, the very bottom of most of our problems in society. I thought about that statement, so I'm not making it lightly. But if you think about why people do the things that they do, why really crazy things happen, why anger boils over, why are there wars, what, what is driving all this? There's this inner, inner, inner angst that people carry. It's not trusting God. It's a very freeing thing. Think about your own life. How free your life could be if you didn't have anxiety. Now, like little Charlie, she's got little micro-anxieties, you know, like, I, like if I say I spy correctly. But what's so beautiful and freeing, and I think maybe that's why Jesus talked about the children understand the kingdom of God. The kids get it. She's not that worried about anything. She sure wasn't worried about getting here on time. I can tell you that. We're not worried about that today. Don't worry. So what do you mean? We have to hurry. I, again, would like to thank the person in this church that bought her the little makeup set. Thank you. Every Sunday I'm late for church. Thank you. Think about what they're not worried about. Don't you think Jesus, when he said, the children come to me, for of such is the kingdom. Have the faith of a child. You know what the key to life is? Growing up and being mature as an adult in your thinking, we don't need childishness. That's not what Jesus is after. We don't need more childishness. But still having that childlike faith, there's the key. There's the sweet spot in life if you find it. During the series, I want to talk about how to find it. I want to talk about the things that we can and I think perhaps should be doing. But you just come to a point where you want to realize, I don't want this stuff to weigh me down anymore. I don't want to waste any more energy. Jesus goes on in the Sermon on the Mount and he says, 
who of you, by worrying, could add a single hour to your life? Matthew 6, 27. That worrying doesn't seem to actually produce any positive benefit in your life, but we're addicted to it. We just go back to it. Um, I've been chewing on the 10th commandment for, man, it seems like months now. I just keep going back to it, the 10th commandment. Um, I don't know how well you know your, your commandments and all that, but the 10th commandment stands out. It's different. And the reason the 10th commandment is different is because it's about desire. The other ones, you know, do this or don't do that. And they're, and, and, and they're good. Like, don't kill each other. Survey says. They're good things, right? Um, let's not steal. And then it gets to the last one. The last one's different. It's very different. Don't desire what your neighbor has. It's not about, it's not about an action or a non-action. It's about desiring. Don't covet is the word. I know. I know the Bible word. Just so don't email me. <laughs> covet. Trying to modernize. Desire. You know, and don't desire what your neighbor has. That's the key, what your neighbor has. Um, we all need desire. That kind of gets us going in the morning. Like you desire breakfast. First thing I desire is coffee, right? We desire friendships. We desire to have fun. We desire to have a good job. These things aren't bad in and of themselves. But desiring something your neighbor has, that's key. That's key. Because now I'm wanting something, not because I want it. I'm wanting it because what? And I know some of you are like, well, that's not me. I just live my own life. Baloney. That's just baloney. We desire. Well, they're in there because they're in us. Right? These, these, these don't come out of nowhere. This is because what, what screws us up is when we desire things that other people have. Like this, Charlie's very good at. If they're playing, a bunch of kids, they're all around, and there's toys, lots of toys, which toy becomes the most desirable? It's the one that someone's already desired. It's just this compounding effect. Why? Because, well, play with this toy. You ever have this conversation with your kids? Play with this one. You have 99. Let your little Susie friend play. Now. I mean, aren't play dates great or whatever they call them? What a disaster. Invite the kid over to the house. She comes, she wants to play with a toy. What toy does Charlie want to play with? She's got three stories of toys. Dear God, my house looks like Toys R Us. Which, which toy? The one the kid wants to play with. Because it, get, it gets in us. It's like, oh, they're... today we call it FOMO. Oh, oh that must be a really fun toy. I must have that toy. She's having more fun than me. <laughs> this, this article, they're talking about teenagers and their sadness. And the, these, they, they call them mental illnesses. I, I mean, you know, they're just words. They're, they're, I mean... I'm not, I'm not discrediting anybody, but I'm just saying they have to start picking words. Like, what do we, what do we call it? We'll call it this. We'll call it mental illness. We'll call it this. Okay, fine. 
They have to give some definition. They have to try to get their hands around something that they can't understand. It's never been easier to break the 10th commandment. Or it's never been more difficult to not break it than right now. Why? Because it's not just looking over your fence, your neighbor. Well, oh, Billy got a new mule. Happy plowing, Billy. <laughs> neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. Haircut. New suit, new car, new this, new that. Neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. Covet, 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 covet. You don't call it that. Just see what's going on. I'm, I'm not... Relax. Just think. Does it ever seep down? Is it doing something to that generation? I watch, I, I, I literally watch them. They go like this. I swear my Uncle Steve would have just smacked me if he ever saw me doing that. I mean, literally smacked me. Maybe I grew up in an abusive situation. I don't know. But I literally would have got smacked. What are you doing? He would have said. How many know you need all kinds of uncles? Come on, relax. I'm not advocating child abuse. Just settle down. How many know you need all kinds of uncles in your life? That's ridiculous. You go, that's ridiculous. You need now it's I'm missing out. Oh, I don't know. Oh, oh, oh. And what is it? What is it? You see, one of the most important things, if someone could teach you along the way in your spiritual journey, it would be this, because it would be a lot less anxiety-inducing religion and, and anxiety-reducing faith. And it's this. The commandments, like the 10th commandment, that's not so God doesn't get mad. This is where things got kind of wacko. God's having a bad day because you desired your neighbor. This is to free you. Why is this stuff here? To set you free. Set you free. Are you a free person when you're constantly comparing yourself and your stuff? And your, are you free? No. You're toast. You're toast. I mean, can I just say this to you? Your life is over. I'll be more bold. Your life's over. Because you're not living it now. Now you're not living your life. You don't think about what you want to do and what God's put in you and what God made you and gave you opportunity. You're like, well. And it just increases the anxiety. Eh, okay, we're out of time. But here's the thing. I'll get to the notes. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We want to talk about in the series what, what do we do it's common. You can deny it. It's probably not that helpful. Some of you, some of us, are, you are better at dealing with it than others, and that, that's, again, not about comparing, but everybody deals with it. But, but how do you best deal with this very human thing to worry? And Jesus teaches us a lot about that, and that's what we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead.